welcome to another episode of Brides of Frankenstein. I am Melissa Oriema. I am Lindsay Sletzik. And this week, we are back in the James Wan universe. So much of this particular pick informed a pick that we, a movie that we talked about last season. Yeah, yeah, one that we previously covered. Not only that, but we have wildly different opinions on one half of the movie versus the other and not between each other we are very much in agreement we have differing opinions with ourselves oh yeah like I was gonna say I was like I think we're in agreement no yeah we're very much in agreement um, so the movie that we're gonna be doing today is uh James Wan's Insidious uh released in 2010 like I said directed by James Wan written by Lee Wannell, who is also the writer of uh, Saw um, with, with uh, James Wan, uh, wrote, mm-hmm. I think mo- all of the Insidious movies wrote the second Saw, wrote The Conjuring, with The Conjuring 2. And obviously James Wan is, uh, he's so, <laughs> so good. He's so good. Yeah, he's great. Um, he's really good. But, wow. Yeah, this uh this particular movie, it's got it's got some rough patches. I can honestly say so in most of the movies that we've that we've covered, it's either mm-hmm. straight out of the gate, oh god, they could have done so much better and they failed. Or or it's this is just straight bad or this is perfect. Don't change anything. Absolutely perfect. Or maybe yeah. something should get changed. Okay, then but other than that it's perfect. This is for the first time, I think, it's a movie that is half and half, where it is a 90, mm-hmm. 45 minutes of this movie are not perfect, but really, really strong. I would say, I would say like pretty close to like textbook perfect as far as horror goes. And then it's just, what is happening? What? The, the last, the last half of this movie is borderline incomprehensible. I don't think I've ever wished for a movie to end in the history that we've done this movie, uh, done this podcast. I don't think I've, mm. so, I've so actively wished for a movie to be over. Uh, and that's yeah. as the first 45 minutes of this movie. And it, that says a lot considering that we are revisiting our our horror our horror movie uh man crush that's right uh, and not just lee wannell and james wan um patrick uh patrick wilson is in this movie and as, i love him as you remember from our conjuring episode which basically just turned mm-hmm. away, let's fangirl about patrick wilson for 90 minutes the, and we're gonna do it again probably uh yeah. it, 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 this is the movie that kickstarted their relationship james wan and patrick mm-hmm. wilson. It kickstarted that collaboration, which has now gone into a bunch of different movies. This one, Insidious Two, mm-hmm. wasn't in the second two, the, the 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 third and fourth Insidious movies. He was Insidious One, Insidious Two, Conjuring, Conjuring Part Two, uh, and the upcoming Conjuring Part Three. Annabelle, Annabelle comes home, right? And Conjuring, the, the upcoming Conjuring movie, The Devil Made Me Do It, which is six movies. So I- That's a lot of movies. Yeah. And so I, I clearly, they really love, you know, working together. And it, you can yeah. tell 
that this is their first movie because like it, it yeah fun to see that beginner mm-hmm. I remember when it was announced that Patrick Wilson was going to be in this movie I remember being like that feels weird yeah because we know him we know him we said this before from uh Broadway go like, back listen to the Conjuring episode for like our entire history of Patrick Wilson. yes yeah we don't need to- we don't need to dig back into it again, but um, I mean, briefly, yeah, we knew, we know him first and foremost as a musical theater actor. So just, when, yeah, when you, when we found out that he was going to be in a horror movie, we were like, okay. Before this, he was on Broadway in All My Sons, and which was right. known as the, uh, the Katie Holmes Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he uh, had just been in Little Children uh, with Kate Winslet. With, uh, Kate Winslet, yep. And, which is like a dark, directed by the same guy who directed In the Bedroom. And I think it was based on the book of the same mm-hmm. guy. And so when you hear directed by the, by the same guy and written by the same guy who wrote In the Bedroom, you're like, oh God, like, I don't want to, I don't want to It's that. It's a good example of a movie that's, well done and is by all like technical aspects a good movie um but it's one you just never want to watch again same with i never want to watch same with revolution yeah yeah it's the same it's the same thing i saw that with another kate winslet movie i saw that with my sister and because we were like oh my god kate and leo back on back on the big screen together directed by kate winslet's husband oh my god and then the curtain and then the and then the lights went up and we both looked at each other and we were like what well, just happened? We were like, that was, we, were both, we both looked at each other and we're like, that was a great movie. I never want to see it again. Like, yeah. I'm glad I saw it, but I don't need to sit through that again. That was yeah, really exactly enough. Um, so, so it was so funny to hear that he was going to be, and also you get Rose Byrne, who also not a horror movie person. You know, she was more of a, she was more of like a comedic actress coming into this, wasn't well, she? She did. No, she did. She was so I first knew Rose Byrne from Troy because she played Briseis. Oh, Troy. yeah, yeah, yeah. I only saw that and movie once, so I kind of forget everyone who was in it. I've seen it more times than I should. Um, and I so I saw her in she was like big in Australian TV, she was on damages. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So I guess yeah. I guess more of like a, a dramatic actress, but like a, a dramatic. But then she moved to comedy because when she did Bridesmaids, right? Yeah, she did Bridesmaids, and then yeah. she and that's when she kind of like did more, started to do more uh, comedy. Um, love her, love, love, love her. Love her. Um, yes. And then oh, and then the other thing too. So the kid in this movie, Dalton. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so two fun facts about him before we yeah. get so Dalton is played by this actor named Ty Simpkins and I was like that name sounds really familiar and it said like yeah, it I went on Wikipedia and I and I was like oh, okay he's it said like he is most famous for appearing in the insidious insidious films and I was like all right well maybe that's where I heard of him he was the kid in Iron Man 3 yes he was I just realized that who comes back Yes. Spoilers for Endgame, Avengers Endgame, but he pops in again at the end of Endgame. Yeah, yeah. At Tony's funeral, and it's one of those moments where you see him on screen, and you're like, 
who is this kid? Oh my God. It's oh no. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do remember that. Mm-hmm. Oh no. But yeah. So, and, and he played Patrick Wilson's son in little children. So they already had a relationship. Oh, I learned that from this little documentary that, um, mm-hmm out on YouTube or not on YouTube, but I think it's on like the DVD about the making of insidious. And yeah, yeah. Um, James Wan was like, I cast Ty because not only he's a good, he's a good kid actor, but mm-hmm. I had already cast Patrick Wilson and they knew each other from little children. And I knew that they would already that's, get all- Yeah. That's gotta help. Which is great. I think, um, I think that, I think that probably makes a difference. Yeah. And there's other things totally. too that we'll get to as like, as far as like who's in it and stuff, but um, we'll, we will get to that when we uh, get to it. Yes, so. Let's get into this because, oh man, I, uh, this is one of those movies where I was like, when it works, oh my God, it's so it's great. Cool. All right. We open on a young boy asleep in his bed. Um, and you, <laughs> you put here, Alyssa says, you could tell it's the seventies because there's a lava lamp, which I is. Like, cool. I was like, oh, is this like a current day thing? And then it panned over on the lava lamp and I was like, seventies. <laughs> like, yep, yeah. Now we know. How can we establish setting and time period? Lava lamp. Lava lamp, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the camera pans out to the kitchen where we see the figure of a woman cross the window from the outside. And then the camera swings around to reveal an old scary crone in like a black dress, uh, hiding in the hallway, holding the candle up and laughing. Roll credits. Kind of like a precursor uh, phallic in Conjuring. Yeah, yeah. totally. The nun, totally. the nun. Uh, also, I, I know you're, you know, I know you're going to talk about the credits themselves, but I am. it definitely is like a Bram Stoker's Dracula title card, mm-hmm. where it's like, <laughs> like the, when Insidious comes up, it's completely yeah. with everything else. The title card and the ending title card is just like, <laughs> like I literally jumped. <laughs> yeah, it's very. I mean, you you make the comparison to Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's very like gothic font it's got like the bright red lettering it's got the screaming uh like violins um it's like this is a yeah lot. it's very it's very it's it's i'm not gonna say it's out of place but it doesn't quite fit the tone of the rest of the movie it it, it would fit better if this were a dario argento uh it's yeah it's got that very kind of over the top vibe that i think is reminiscent of yeah, like you said argento like the, the giallo uh, yeah, style of horror, which is not, I mean, I, I, like as a tribute, sure, but like that's not really the vibe of the rest of the movie. So it feels a little, it feels a little out of place, especially when you go into the credits themselves, which are very quiet and very understated. So it's, I, I mean, you get the same like red, uh, like font, in the, like in the, the the cast and crew uh, credits, yeah. But it's just a series of like black and white photos, and like it fades into one and then fades out and fades into the next. And some of them are just regular, like like regular photos. Like it's a room, it's you know boxes that are stacked in the corner and things like that. And then some have like a spooky figure, like like a spooky face in the mirror or like a, a silhouette of somebody standing outside the window. Like some of them have like a chair slowly moving by itself. So like some of them are just plain photographs and then others have something kind of creepy in there, which I think 
is really cool. I think it's a nice effect. I do um, because it, kind of, it keep well, it keeps you on your toes. Yeah, because you'll have like three photographs in a row where there's nothing, and then like it'll fade into the next one, and there's a face in the background, and it does like kind of jolt yeah. you in your seat a little bit. And it matches with the like later on when you find out that like Dalton's been doing a lot of drawing, like it matches those illustrations a lot more. Like absolutely, I yeah, done a little bit more with that in the title card like like designing it in that way and making that mm -hmm. kind of quiet I think that would have actually worked better because it's more it was definitely a moment where I was like this is selling me a movie that the I know is not the movie like the title card itself but the credits definitely fit with what yeah aesthetic they're going for so I and yeah and it's really hate opening credits that are really, really long, unless there's like a cartoon or like something fun that like, you know, kind of set. I, this is perfect. I, yeah, and, and I, I like them when they're specifically stylized yes. in a certain way. Like, like the, the reason that they work because they do go on for a while is because of the way that they were, the, the way they were designed. And yeah, like you said, it's, it's some of them are, some of the photos are completely still, there's nothing going on in them. And then some of them, like the, the light in the room is like slowly like going back and forth and yeah, it's really quiet. Like there's just a little bit of music. And like when the, the credit names come up, like there's like this smoke behind them that- Yeah, and then they kind of like, they kind of get wispy and fade away, but it sets you up to not trust your eyes because you see something creepy in one photo and then you start to wonder like well was there something in the one before that I just didn't see right um and I think that's I think that's very cool too um just, just because it's setting you up to like not trust what you're seeing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's really creepy yeah all right so we get through the credits we flash forward to present day where Renee played by Rose Byrne, uh, a mother of three with a background in music, apparently, and a badly spelled first name, wakes pretty early in the morning in the house that she and her family have just moved into. I, like we were talking about with like The Conjuring and like all mm. of that, like setting the tone for like those movies to come, like this is all the parent family in the house, like moving into a new house. Yeah. And, like later on, there's like more chaos in the house, but like, this is all very reminiscent of that, which is why I think it works because mm -hmm. it is showing, it, it's showing a difference. And we'll talk about this. Like James Wan is so good at making you think something is about to happen and nothing happens in this scene. Nothing happens. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's a, a big trademark of the way he directs um, horror is that not only does he set things up to happen and then nothing happens but he also sets things up so the scare isn't like the jump scare it's not the boogeyman jumping out of the closet with the strings like screaming in the background it's like noticing something like out of the corner of your eye Although or like or like or like the shot is normal and the camera pans away and when it pans back there's somebody standing in the frame who wasn't there before like he he uses a lot of tricks like that which aren't like jump scares necessarily oh, but they I'm like oh it's it panned over there's nothing there it pans back to the camera and then it pans yeah. back <laughs> like I I yeah. hate I hate that actually that that freaks me out 
more than like a like something jumping out at you because like you yeah, know yeah. jump out at you. Same. But one of those, it's like there's there's so many moments in this movie where like they go to look, nothing's there. They turn and so, oh. and he does he he does it like there's some scenes where he does it in like groups of three. So like she looks and there's nothing there, and then she looks somewhere else and there's nothing there. And then like she pulls the door back and there's something there. Like, so it's one, it's kind of lulling you into this false sense of security because you're twice now, nothing happens and then they get you on the third. But it's, it also goes back into the thing we talked about with the credits where you don't trust your senses because like in the scenes where, you know, the camera pans away and there's somebody there who wasn't there before. Like it does make, it does make you question like, was it there and I missed it? Like, yeah, it, it, it play it plays with your, your perception of reality. And I mean, you say that stuff is scarier than jump scares. I agree, but uh, like the, I guess the difference between us is that's why I like it. <laughs> I, do, I do too. It's like that it shows like how good, uh, although I was going to make a, well, the next thing we're going to talk about um, the, uh, so speaking of distortion of, of reality, these, mm-hmm. these pajamas that they put on Rose Byrne. Absolutely. Oh, they're bad. They're, they're, they're bad. First of all, I hate when, okay, I, I appreciate a good pajama set. I do. I don't know of a human being on this planet who mm-hmm. would wear these pajamas. They are, mu- I was like, I was like, okay, that's an ugly pattern. And then I looked closer and I was like, those are monkeys and bananas on a long Yeah. yeah. Like, long sleeve, like, like button front flannel pajama set. I it's bad. I hated it. So I was like, oh, I hate this. Oh, I hate this. And then Dalton comes downstairs, and I was like, they did not put this child in the same pajamas as the. Oh no! And and the thing the thing is, they did. I was screaming at Lindsay. I was like, they did it's not. Very. I, I think I put, yeah, I, I, so at, when I was watching this, I put in the comments, ugliest, with a period between each sentence, each word, ugliest pajamas in history. And then I, and they are, and then I immediately commented in all caps and they put the kid in matching fucking pajamas. I can't, I can't (laughs) so mad. Um, like, yeah, so she, yeah, so, so yeah, she goes downstairs in her ugly pajamas while everyone's asleep. She starts she she starts doing a little unpacking you know she takes a bunch of books and like puts them on a shelf um and then she's interrupted by Dalton in those same ugly monkey jammies he plops down in her lap and they look through a photo album for a few minutes until they hear the baby crying upstairs and get up to like start the day and they also establish right here that they don't have a lot of photos of um Patrick Wilson because yeah, his yeah, his character Josh. Um, yeah, it's all photos of it's all photos of Renee when she was younger, and then photos of the kids. And Dalton says, "What? Like, can I see photos of Daddy?" And Rose mm-hmm. uh, Renee says something like, "You know, you know, your dad is so bad at at, at keeping photos or something like that." Like, um, yeah, yeah, and she like she says something about how he doesn't like to take have photo- a picture taken or something like that. Um, Do you like this scene too? Because. I just think Dalton is so cute and he's very cute. Just sits down in her lap. And it's very similar to how my nephews sit in my lap when we're like looking at something, they just come mm-hmm. over 
And, and he was like, and I just love when Dalton was like, uh, or said something like, oh, these are older photos. And, and then Dalton's like, how, how old are you? And, and Renee goes, like, you're really old, really old. And, and Renee goes, how old do you think I am? And Dalton goes, 21. And Renee goes, I wish. <laughs> Which yeah. I really cute. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. Uh, yeah, remember when 21 sounded ancient. Oh God, yeah. Like, <laughs> you must be 18 years old. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, so we, so we have Dalton, we have the, 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 uh, the brother, the other brother, um, uh, it, Foster, Foster. Yeah. I think it's Foster. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and then the baby baby, um, who's like a newborn. Uh, yeah. Callie. So Callie like, is the, Callie, the little... like, a, like a couple months old. And then, uh, I just, Josh annoys me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's not a, he's not a bad guy quote unquote he's just sort of uh he's 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 harmless but he's kind of a clueless dickhead very much like well okay so in the behind the scenes footage James wants mm-hmm. out uh how Patrick Wilson's mar- is married and has ki- had kids at this point uh yeah James Wan said I really enjoyed talking to Patrick because he was really helpful in helping me understand, you know, being a father and being a husband. Neither of those things. So he was like, <laughs> I, he was helping me through that. And I think Lee Wano at this point was married. I don't think he had a kid. So there's a, yeah, there is kind of a realistic kind of aspect to it, but it, it he's, he's definitely not a jerk. He's just kind of like, no, not he's present. Well, yeah, that's, that's the thing. He's kind of, he he's very hands-off without like trying to be hands-off it's more like it, it's almost like he assumes like oh well he's got it the kids are your, the kids are your responsibility like yeah and so it's like okay I get it because that's how men are kind of conditioned in our society but also I'm annoyed like I'm annoyed but yeah, yeah that's exactly what it is also I was saying this to you last night when I was watching mm-hmm. this I was like I think it's because Patrick, Wil- Patrick Wilson's portrayal of Ed Warren is like so god mm-hmm. in terms of like yeah ideal human that like anything else yeah. like oh and, yeah. not only not only that but uh Ron Livingston in The Conjuring is kind of the same way like he's very he's very involved with his family in a way that this character just isn't, isn't. and he's I think he's well-meaning but he doesn't really He's, he's not like emotionally present at all. Why? Way too late in the movie. And we'll talk about that when we get to like the review. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. But you you even see that like in this next scene where Renee is in the kitchen. She's on the phone with, I think like the phone company, like trying to get, trying to speak to an agent. Yeah. Like, the baby's crying. The kids are like screaming for breakfast. Um, and he's upstairs like, brushing his teeth and like plucking the gray hair and then he comes down he's like I gotta go to work bye like god damn like I loved that cut though because it was so it was such, mm-hmm. a, such a read on his character because yeah. Renee yeah. was on the phone like doing that mom thing of like and neither of us are parents but like doing that mom thing of like having the phone in the crook of your arm mm-hmm. no phone, that's mm-hmm. hard too like it's so much easier yeah. to do the landline and 
has the phone in the crook of her arm, trying to figure out with the baby, like telling yeah. to get off the floor and telling Foster to like eat his cereal, like doing all these different things. And yeah. then it cuts to Josh in the bathroom, taking his sweet goddamn time. Making his sweet ass time. Like every time you, every time I think I've got Yeah, it, I mean, it definitely. Go downstairs, help your wife. <laughs> but like the thing, the thing is he goes downstairs and then he doesn't. And he has his coffee. And then she says, can you bring the kids to school? And he goes, I can't. And she goes, well, can you pick the kids up? And he goes, I can't. Like, what do you do then? He goes and he says hi to the baby. And I was just like, oh God, Patrick Wilson. Well, that's, the th- that's the thing. Like, he's not a, like we said before, he's not a bad dude. He's just sort of, he's just sort of there. The, the Patrick and Wilson building a child in this movie just did a lot of things to my reproductive organs. And I was just not prepared. I understand. For it. I mean, the- I don't, but I do. The behind the scenes footage of him blowing raspberries on the baby's tummy and just like so oh, cute i was just like ow my ovaries <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so like well-meaning and then um yeah um like the one notable moment in the scene too is like when he comes in he's like drinking his coffee and like she leaves him with the kids for a minute and she goes into the 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 room where she had been unpacking to like look for another box and the books she had put on the shelf uh, are all on the floor on the floor so like she so she just like she she assumes the kids like we're messing around with it she picks them up she puts them back and whatever yeah and she says um, you need to like if you're gonna play with mom my, with mommy's books you need to put them back on the shelf back. I didn't do it but it's like the, the thing of like that wasn't me when it like even though we find out that it wasn't him it is very like a natural like Yes, you did. You fucking. It's a very kid. It's a very kid response. Like I, I nannied for something like seven years, and uh, yeah, like the number of times I would say, like, you need to put your toys away if you're gonna take them out, and they look at me like bald face lie and say, I didn't take them out. I'm like, you did. I watched you do it. Yeah, that's the best when they're lying in the act of doing the thing that <laughs> they're not doing. Kids are kids are sociopaths, and I say that. <laughs> I say that and I love my nephews, but oh my God. Um, But yeah, so, and then my, oh my God, this is so funny because, okay, so they've established sort of that (laughs) Renee is a songwriter, question mark, or is going to- I mean, I assume- Like, like like working more on that career. Make it make sense. Yeah. Because that's all we do. So she's singing. I think think she's a pop music ghostwriter. That's what based I on nothing other than I want that to be true. So. Either that or she is like a songwriter for like like for a bunch of different singers. Oh, yeah, she could be like um like Julia Michael like uh she's a she's a Canadian artist, but um like Chantal Kreviazic, she's ghostwritten songs for like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera, like these really big like pop divas, but then she has her own music career uh on the side as well, where she really releases her own stuff. Um so like in my head, that's kind of her situation. Like she's trying to focus more on her own music. She even has a line uh, a couple of scenes later where she says, thank you for letting me take a break to focus on my music. So presumably she had some other job that she's on yeah, hiatus from. Make it clear. And no, no. But we see her at a piano and we see her like make pencil marks on sheet music. So we hear her sing a song and it is... I know it's supposed to not be good, and she mentions it's rough. That. It's, it's, it's rough. rough. 
rough. Yeah. Like, vibes of like that movie Michael with Andy when Andy McDowell like sings. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! That. Which and no. I liked that song when I was a kid. I did not have good taste. Mm. But yeah, so we get this whole thing like Josh is the like well-meaning but absent teacher, like songwriter. I, I with all the kids. Yeah dealing with yeah and 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 she also like she also get like she gets interrupted by the baby crying while she's trying to write and like she says later you know like she only slept for half an hour and she can go back to sleep which sounds like kind of just an innocuous like baby being a baby comment but it does have like implications later on that that night um after josh comes home like the rest of the family's sitting downstairs and uh, Dalton is playing in the hallway upstairs when he hears uh, like whispers uh, coming from the attic and then the door the attic door like kind of creeps open slowly and it's not one of those like situations where the the attic is accessed through like a ladder that you pull down yeah. um, it's just like, it looks like just another like doorway it could be like a closet or something and then you have a set of stairs that goes up to uh, up to the attic yeah um, I love so it I love this though because right before he hears the whispers he's just sitting on the floor smacking <laughs> a toy shark with a toy baseball bat and yeah. I thought it was so a kid just bored just hitting two toys together like I just I, I thought that that was so funny yeah yeah you know what you know what, you know what I like about uh Dalton like the way he's written he definitely has big like older child energy like to his own devices yeah very much and he's he definitely I mean you only see the two brothers in like one scene together but you definitely get the sense that like Dalton is a little bit more like reserved maybe a little bit more introverted and Foster is the one who's kind of like all over the place I feel like they did a good job of like establishing like this is the older child versus the middle child yeah, yeah. We have, so we have to in. He's he's playing with his little shark, um, and then when the the attic door opens, he goes upstairs to follow like the whispers. Um, it obviously you know it's nighttime. It's it's dark, and the only light in the attic is like a single bulb on a string, obviously, and it's it's too high for him to reach because he's just a little guy. Um, so he climbs up an old ladder um, that's kind of leaning up against the wall to try and reach the string. And one of the rungs breaks and sends him tumbling to the ground. Uh, like, and then he like he he gets up, and it's not the fall that scares him. He sees something in the attic, like a figure, um, and he starts he starts screaming, and that's what gets the parents' attention and kind of sends them running uh, running up to the attic. Uh, he doesn't seem hurt, just shaken up, and they give him they give him a you know, it's not safe. Uh, you can't play up here. Um, they, uh, you know, it's funny. Renee actually does that mom thing where like, they're sort of panicked. So they ask, they say, are you okay? But they sound mad about it. Are you okay? <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just, it's just like that. It's just that adrenaline. I'm kicking in. <laughs> I know. I'm like, you are way more intense about this than you have to be there are a lot of moments in this movie where i was like oh burn stop yelling at me stop why are you mad at me what have i done yeah but you know it's, I, I i really enjoyed her 
in this movie. But also, oh, she's. I mean, this was a scene that bothered. Well, not bothered me, but mm-hmm. I have nephews that are close to Dalton's age. So watching, yeah. like, oh god, I I did have to fast forward a I little. Know. I was just like, oh no 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 poor thing. I texted. I texted Lindsay and I was like, I don't think I am emotionally capable of handling movies with little boys in danger. I don't think I can do it. Like with it, chapter one with Georgie, I could not, oh, I, God. I cannot watch that first scene. Yeah, I, can't no. do it. I literally can't watch when mm-hmm. he dragged his door. I, I think that it's uh, a great scene, but I, when Dalton all the stuff with Dalton it was just it was too it was too too yeah no I get it I get it It I totally get it and also Foster being all sad like it later on I was just like oh no no like I I can't I can't so yeah yeah they they they, um Josh like picks him up and carries him downstairs and when Renee goes to turn the light off, she turns around and finds uh, a box of sheet music yeah. on the attic floor that she had been looking for earlier. Yep. And then um, so we all go to bed and everything seems fine. Yeah, yeah. So then Josh and Renee have like this conversation, which is actually really kind of kind of nice because they're like, oh my it's, God, like, you know, kind of like nice character. Yeah, and then they're talking yeah. about day and you know he seems fine and then Renee is like thank you for letting me you know take this time to focus on music and everything and Josh is like thank yeah. you I told you to do it like you know I want you to do it and then Renee's mm-hmm. like well, I wrote a few things that I, say that I think are okay you know some some of them might be you know not great but some of them are really good and I just love this moment when Josh is like are any of them about me and Renee's like well all of them are about are all of them are about you yeah Josh is like, I'm just really cool and handsome and I'm so- i got big muscles. <laughs> Did you see the behind the scenes of this, of this scene though? It's no. that apparently they got along really well. Um, oh, good. And also like James Wan apparently keeps the set like really fun. Uh, yeah. And everybody's just like laughing all the time. And uh-huh. they're, so like they're getting ready. And I think it's this scene, like making the bed. And Rose says something like, like, like how, like, what should I be doing? Like, should I be doing anything in this scene? Like, should I be like holding something? Like, I don't know. And Patrick Wilson goes, like a dildo? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. You nailed it. And then he goes, we just cut, we just cut to you and you're just putting batteries in a vibrator. (laughs) And Rose is just like, "Ah." it was really funny. It was you just, know what that would have been great oh my god i would have died if they were just if she was just casually just like as the during the scene just putting batteries in a vibrator i would have lost my mind <laughs> yeah. but oh my god so would have been would have been great then we get the next scene where dalton won't wake up <laughs> like they go to wake up yeah, yeah exactly so they go to bed everything seems fine um everything seems normal and then the next morning when they go to wake Dalton up for school, uh, he doesn't wake up. And this again, also I had to fast forward because oh, I, yeah. I, I couldn't deal, I couldn't deal. Yeah, couldn't deal. yeah. so speaking of uh, fast forwarding, uh, the movie flashes forward three months um, 
and we find out like Dalton has been in the hospital this whole time. They can't figure out what's wrong with him. Uh, so now he's been released to be cared for at home, uh, still in a coma that, you know, nobody can, nobody can explain. Uh, not long after he comes back though, Renee starts experiencing paranormal activity in the house. So whereas before it had just been like little whispers or odd occurrences, now it's starting to ramp up. While Foster's in school, uh, Renee hears uh, whispers over the baby monitor and side note, sounds or voices over the baby monitor is one of those like bulletproof horror tropes that just gets me every fucking time. Like uh, it is, it is never not terrifying. Um, so I don't care if it's overused, put it in everything. I think it's rad. So she hears these whispers that gradually form into words uh, th that end with uh, like a blood curdling shout just before the baby starts crying. Uh, she runs upstairs, grabs the baby, can't find anything in the room. Uh, and she, this is one of the scenes where like she does things like open the closet door and you expect something to jump out and get her and nothing's there. So in addition to hearing weird, weird noises and voices that she can't explain, um, Foster says he wants to switch rooms because he doesn't like it when Dalton gets up and walks around at night. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah, <laughs> right? Like, ugh. Uh, oh, another, another really creepy thing is that Renee finds a red handprint on Dalton's sheets while she's like, Straightening out, straightening out the bed foot. around him. What near his foot? Which I thought. Near his foot, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's at the foot of the bed. Um, she kind of pulls back the she pulls back the blankets on top of him to to kind of like straighten them out. And I think it's the uh, like the the sheet, like the flat sheet where she finds the the handprint. And it's red. It looks like blood. It's actually lipstick, according to the behind the scenes. I no fine. It doesn't. Fine need to be lipstick it doesn't need to be lipstick and Lindsay like explained this to me because she put in the comments fun fact it's supposed to be lipstick and I was like what now yeah it's got to do it's got to do with uh one of the it's got to do with one of the de demonic entities that we're gonna we're gonna get into a little bit a little bit further on um so it all it all culminates uh well, no, I guess I shouldn't say it culminates, but like, I guess one of the, the scariest the scenes of the, the haunt is, that is happening or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it ba basically, like, Renee hears the baby crying. She goes in to, to check on her and sees a dark figure standing behind the crib. And the crib has this, like, kind of canopy thing. It's like this gauzy kind of fabric that comes down so... It's right. like behind the, yeah, behind the crib, uh, it was kind of obscured. And through this, uh, this sheer kind of fabric, you see this figure standing. Uh, she grabs, she grabs the baby, runs out of the room, uh, grabs Josh and tells him that there's someone in there. But of course, by the time they get back there, whatever was standing there before is gone. That actually was one of those things where I didn't see it Ooh. the first time around. And then- No, really? Because it was so quick. And I like, I think it maybe- it's, It is very quick. Maybe I like looked away or something and then wrote- uh, and because of, and honestly, because of the way that the fabric is draped too, like it's designed so that it kind of fades into the background. So yeah, no, I can, I can see that. Yeah. So I think um, there is a back. So then I went back and I, and I watched this, watched that. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. And there is, there is a little bit of a, there is a little bit of a sting oh. when she, 
season two, which kind of not not like a super in your face. It's just like um, a like it, it, they James Wan does a job of either doing a very subtle sting or all or like no sting at all, and it's just like yeah, that is the thing that like creates yeah uh, yeah exactly. It's not something it's not something he utilizes a lot all told. Um, and even like this time it was, it wasn't anything like drawn out. It was like, it was quick and it was sharp and it was done. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, it was just, yeah, it was a good, I, I really like this scene, especially cause like Renee's like. Yeah. Yeah. And in the, in the same scene too, the, uh, the security alarm goes off on its own a, a few times and like, like Josh goes downstairs and he finds the door like wide, the front door wide open, even though he had like shut it, there's a shot of him like closing it locking it and then sliding the uh the latch like the slide lock shut um there's a lot of good uh moments in this movie where it's like the door just like closes or opens on its own like they do that in the conjuring but it's like like the the door just slowly goes open Mm -hmm. something starts rocking like i love that stuff so low tech yeah when it comes to i know when it comes to I thought it's so easy to do that because like you just exactly and honestly when it comes to haunted house movies like it's the low the low tech stuff that works the best like there's a reason people still utilize these these tricks today like that's what works that's what makes it scary right um yeah so as the as the activity ramps up the family's lives grow more strained and you definitely get a sense that there's a little bit of stress there in the beginning um but like normal normal family stress normal marriage stress um but definitely like once Dalton comes home like you definitely see the cracks starting to show a little bit more um and Josh Josh starts spending more and more time at work like making up excuses to stay behind like oh I have all these tests I gotta grade guess I gotta work late don't wait up for me blah 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 um I mean you definitely get the sense that he's he just wants to avoid being home yep totally which I mean I understand but also you have a wife you have three kids like you got you got you got to deal with it like I'm sorry I do like this uh um I do like this scene where they're just like I I do too. I love uh I love this argument between Renee and Josh when he comes home because she's waiting for him on the front porch uh yep. when he pulls up the driveway. I am assuming probably because she knows they're gonna they're probably gonna have it out and she doesn't wanna wake up the other two kids. Yeah, if she can help it. But I love this scene because it doesn't turn into like a shouting match yep. or anything like that. Like it's an argument but it's it's not that kind of like overwrought dramatic she's so like yeah and also like she's like you've never needed to stay late like ever yeah what like now now you're staying late yeah exactly i mean and you get this you get the sense that like they're both tired because josh definitely like he, he like you can definitely tell like he had fallen asleep in his classroom after everyone had left right um, so I think part of it too is that I don't think either of them are really sleeping in the house. I also think that 
since we get the reveal later about like his childhood and everything, I, I think that he's subconsciously trying to, trying to stay away from the situation. Totally. Totally. Yeah. No, I, I think that all makes sense, but, but they don't, it's also, it's, it, you can't do it. Like you're, he's dumping this entire situation on his wife's shoulders and basically saying, well, you deal with it. Cause I don't know how. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I it's, it's tremendous. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I think they both, they, they both say things that are like a little bit unfair. Like she kind of accuses him of not being able to, not being able to, to handle anything stressful. Like you do what it, you do, what you always do. You just, you just pull away and you shut down and you don't deal with it. And he says, I, it's not that I'm not dealing with it. I'm dealing with it in my own way. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, I, th- I feel like it's a very level argument. I don't think either one is portrayed as being more right, more in the right than the other. Right. Like, I think, I just think they're just two tired people at the end of their rope. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. And it, and it culminates with her, like, basically dumping the sheet with the red handprint into his lap and saying, all right, well, then deal with this. And then she goes inside and he sleeps on the couch. I love that cut, though. Like, I love that cut. That's to him asleep on the couch and it's like, <laughs> yep. That's what you get. Um, so that night, though, I mean, maybe she, maybe she should have kept him around because that night she wakes up and she can see like figures walking back and forth in front of the windows of her bedroom. And then all of a sudden, there's a like, like a man, yep, spooky man inside her bedroom who who attacks her and like Josh comes running when she starts screaming and it wakes up the baby who also starts screaming. And then like, by the time he gets up there, obviously like nobody's, nobody's there, but he seems to believe her when she says there was something yeah. in the room. Like, like he de- like definitely doesn't, like he, do- he doesn't try to couch it like, oh no, you must've been dreaming or you're just tired or you're distressed. She's like, there was something here and it attacked me and I want to leave right now. And he just says, I believe you, we'll go. And they do, they, they move into a different house. Um, you know, it's a, it's a smaller house. I, one of my favorite details in this movie actually is like the sign out front says for lease. Yeah. Um, so it, you know, basically like it, it gives the impression that they pretty much just like took the first thing they could find. Yeah. Like just whatever gets us out of this house. Um, so they move in, but it doesn't matter because right after right after they get there um a scary newsy ghost boy makes his presence known in the new house by turning on the record player to play tiptoe through the tulips uh while giggling and running through the house and jumping out of a wardrobe in dalton's room nearly scaring renee to death i hate this song i hate it it's a bad bad song it's a bad song it's creepy and Mm -hmm. It works for this, obviously, but it's this like the minute it starts, I was just like, yeah, no, it's awful. It it literally makes it, it makes like the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. God, I hate it. And then and oh, no, I, Rose Burns' face when it comes on, she just like turns around and she's just like, and because yeah, because <laughs> yeah, because well, uh, because she had been playing a different record while she was like unpacking and cleaning the house, and she goes outside to take out the trash and you see her like through an open living room window like when she starts walking back up the driveway and she realizes the music has changed and 
then she looks in the window and she sees this like what looks like a little boy uh like dancing in front of the record player um and obviously he's gone by the time she like goes around the corner yeah. and makes him to the house that that scare too when he jumps out of the wardrobe like that gets me yep. every single time and i know it's coming every single time i watch it and it makes me it doesn't make me scream but like it def- it makes me shout every time i watch it things it's also one of those things where she, he doesn't like exact he doesn't exactly like leap out of the wardrobe he's just kind of there and then just like hops down well, he, <laughs> he, well, he, like, he like he like bangs open the doors and i and yeah then he just he laughs and he jumps out and he runs away but it's so like it, yeah it gets me every time it's very similar again conjuring the when it, when the camera pans up and and the thing is on top of the, it's on top of the wardrobe yeah lots of yeah. wardrobes in uh James Wan loves a good scare involving a hutch or an armoire. You know, I think, I think wardrobes are inherently creepy. The armoires and hutches and wardrobes that James Wan uses in his movies are all like clearly possessed by the devil. Like they're all like, no one would ever pick that up at a rummage sale. You know, like those are just, those are just bad. Oh, and we are now at the point kind of nearly we're nearly at the point of this movie where things start to just turn and get really really weird and like this this oh, yeah. not this scene the next scene is when like it's things just just go like I, yeah 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 oh, this movie's frustrating <laughs> All right, so running out of options at this point, Renee and Josh call in Josh's mother, Lorraine, played by Barbara Hershey, uh, who describes a, like, like a dream she had had about a shadow figure lurking in Dalton's room. Um, you know, as she's describing the dream, and this is where it starts to go off the rails, she looks up to see Darth Maul standing behind Josh. <laughs> Am I wrong? It's so funny. Like, it's it's... It literally is just like, again, like comparing it to The Conjuring because it it happens very similarly in The Conjuring when like you see the hanging woman's feet behind behind, uh, Patrick Wilson's head in that Mm -hmm. one. You get so many different moments and it's just so funny because Josh's face just like, huh? And you just see this (laughs) face. It's funny. It's funny. I saw gifts of that scene before I saw the movie itself, and like people post it, and I would see people responding like, "Oh my god, fuck you, so scary!" Blah. And I'd look at it and go, "Phantom Menace." That's Darth Maul. That's one. That's Darth Maul. Darth Maul with like, a- yeah, yeah, like Darth Maul with a dodgy haircut. Like, what are we doing? It was, and then everybody just starts screaming again, and it just turns it's into- a lot. Yeah, and it's also this thing where like you do find out why the mom is in the movie, but it is this moment where the both of the scenes that we've met the mom prior to this, I was mm-hmm. like, why are you in this movie? And you find out that it's just, it's just an excuse to get the next bit. The next and you do I will say- It's like a background to it, but it is like this feeling of like, and Barbara Hershey shows up, okay. I mean, on the one hand, we don't need an excuse for Barbara Hershey to show up. But on the other hand, it's like, you know what, though? I, I will say, um, before we move on to the next scene, I really like the way this movie kind of subverts, like, the evil mother-in-law. Trope. Oh, yeah. 
She's lovely. Because he and Renee clearly have a good relationship. Oh yeah. And like, I love I love that they they went that route with her rather than being like, oh, conflict because mother-in-law. That whole I think that's such lazy writing. That, um, so I love that they didn't do it. That whole scene where like they're moving into the new, the the new, new. Mm-hmm. And um, they're unpacking and Renee's like, I'm so sorry. Like, and then like Renee's kind of like just feeling bad, even though she shouldn't, about like making the move again. And she's just like, I so feel she's bad. feeling guilty. Feeling guilty. And and the mom, Lorraine, Josh's mom, looks mm-hmm. at her and says, like, says something like, This is something that bothered you. This is something that's clearly yeah. taking a huge toll on you. And mm-hmm we're here for you and yeah like she, uh, she says she says in that scene whatever you need to do to get through what's going on you do it and I love that love that love yeah. that love you know I love I, I I yes her character mostly exists as a bridge to the next character they bring in but I do enjoy her on her own I love, I love and I do oh yeah like that they that James Wan is not interested like he loves his classic little horror cliche moments and but he doesn't yeah. and he doesn't very well but he lit he loves that stuff but he also really enjoys like okay you think the mom the mother the mother-in-law is going to be like an asshole or like you know yeah whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm actually going to make her like a really great woman and I'm actually going to make the marriages in this movie awesome and the next character it, it, it extends on that theme, which I'll get into when we talk. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I think this is also the scene too, where like they hear all the sounds of like banging and crashing coming from Dalton's room. Yep. When they and when they go in, uh, like the whole room has basically been ransacked. It is. Uh, it, like like it's in yeah it's in pieces. Um, Dalton Dalton appears unhurt at least, which is good, but there's obviously like no sign of of of, uh, the, of the culprit. So after this, Lorraine calls in her friend, Elise, who's a psychic. Um, and she sends in a couple of like ghost hunters ahead of her to do like an investigation of the house just to make sure it's not, like there's not like an easy explanation, um, like something like faulty wiring or something like that. Um, they do like a pre- preliminary sweep of the house. They see some ghosts and they're like, all right, now we can call her in. I just have to, I could talk about so the whole, one of the reasons that this movie works is that the, the dumb parts of this movie work as well as they, they do. Mm-hmm. Even the parts that don't work are more watchable. Mm-hmm. So we, we meet Elise, who is the psychic, um, mm-hmm. by Lynn Shay, who if you don't know who Lynn Shay is, she's been in so many things. And it was yes. so funny because I thought that Lindsay knew this. So I, we were talking and she was like, oh, you know, she's just so good in this movie. And I, and I just kind of casually was like, yeah, and it's just so funny because she's, she's Magda. And from uh, something about Mary. And Lindsay was like, what? And I was like, yeah, Lindsay, <laughs> Lindsay, like every Farrelly Brothers movie ever made. And she was like, what? What? Yeah, I think I said, like, are you lying to me? <laughs> Lynn Shay. Also, she's Bob Shay's sister. I think, but she's been in like, she's like, she's a trained actress. Like she's, she's actually yeah, yeah, of course. on Broadway and a bunch of different things, but she's been in a bunch of new line cinema movies because Bob Shay is her sister, is her brother or something. And yeah. has been in a, a whole ton of things. One of my favorite roles that she's, that she's done, obviously Mag Def and there's something about Mary, 
but she was also the gross old woman in Kingpin. <laughs> and she was also, she's been in every Farrelly Brothers movie, but my favorite mm-hmm. was this is Nugalborn in Dumb and Dumber because of the way Jeff Daniels says to her, I'm there's there, it's all perfectly reasonable, Mrs. Noogie Burger. And she goes, Nugalborn! Like I just this <laughs> Noogie Burger. So it's just <laughs> so I remember when everybody was like, Oh my god, Lynn Shay and Insidious is amazing. And I was like, She's been amazing. How dare you? Yeah, where have you been? <laughs> but I love how this character's written because mm-hmm. it is just so warm and lovely. And she comes in and she's like, yeah. hi, I didn't know like, like, you know, whether to knock or like, hi, like, yeah. You know, you know what else I like about this character too, both like in terms of the writing and the performance, I think, I think there's a tendency with this type of character to go kind of floofy do with it Very and easy. make her kind of like, uh, like yeah like oh she's so spiritual like a lot of hippie crap yeah and I think she's I don't like to use the word normal because I don't think that's a good descriptor but I mean she it, I mean she is just very normal like she comes in and she's she's not matter of fact because like you said she's very like there's a warmth to her like she's very personable um uh, but like for her it's just part of her everyday life like it's just, yeah. it's just what she does. Like it's her job. And two are gonna, you know, one of them sketches. Well, I describe what's going on. He will sketch. Yeah. Um, this other one, right. you know, record everything. Like is in charge of like the tech and everything. And and this is just the way we're gonna do it. And here's how we're it's gonna go down. And I'm gonna like walk around. And I loved when she like is talking to the baby and she's like, um, you know, you're being such a brave, brave girl and like all that kind yeah. of. Stuff that's when she like looks up and I love this because you don't see there's not like a effect of like yeah 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 so this is when they're that she asks to do like a a a walkthrough of the house and obviously like they end up in Dalton's room um which like the shades are drawn it's like kind of mid-afternoon so it's very it's very dim inside there's a ceiling fan and she says like you know leave the lights off and you can tell that, yeah, like you said, you can tell that she's seen something and she's whispering while her assistant, her like her ghost boy is uh, sketching. Ghost boy, AKA Specs, played by Lee Wannell. I do love in this scene when she's describing the, the, the voice or describing the thing on the wall. Mm-hmm. I can't really hear what she's saying. You can kind of hear it. And she kind of- you get, you get like snippets of it. So yeah, like you'll hear her say like red face, red. And then like, like black- is got yeah. hooves and and then I love though because he's she's he's drawing mm-hmm. and at one point I hear I I heard him go slow down and I'm like well you're working you, she hired you be better yeah but I love I love that moment though because it like as she's describing it you do see it like ramping up so it it starts off very quiet with like just like like black figure like you just hear like little whispers and then you you hear her picking up more and more speed and you see his drawing getting more and more frantic until he's like slow down slow down slow down I like that it creates uh I like that it creates a little bit of build in that scene. it's so interesting and I just love that she like she, she kind of just she, it's not that she zones out but she just gets very focused and yeah 
just gets very like, okay, I have to like communicate all this information. And yeah. it gets a little bit paranormal activity-esque, which we can mention that one of the producers on this movie is Oren Pele, who mm-hmm. uh, wrote and directed par- the first paranormal activity. So a lot yeah. of- I mean, there's definitely some overlap between the two, for well, sure. Yeah, with all like the way that they they kind of do the, the haunting and, and all that kind of stuff. But also this idea of- the house isn't haunted, you're haunted. Like, th- this is haunted. So, like, I exactly. love this. Basically, you know, they get the, they finish the drawing. It's the same, like, red-faced demon that we saw before. And Elise sits them down and basically tells them that it's not the house that's, that the ghosts are haunting. It's Dalton himself. And they've attached themselves to him after he got lost while astral projecting. Uh, oh, yeah. Dalton is a super accomplished astral projection artist, question mark. Basically, his coma isn't actually a coma. It just looks that way because his spirit has been out wandering and can't find its way back to his body. Um, And this is a skill that he inherited from his father, who, all right, stay with me, had an evil spirit attach itself to him as a child while he was out astral projecting as well. Oh, but he doesn't remember it because they hypnotized away the memories of the experience and his abilities so that the spirit couldn't find him again. I guess. Uh, And this is where, (laughs) and this is where my eyes glaze over. I I just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of. uh, So when Elise says the house, it's not the house that's haunted, it's your son. It's like, like, dun, dun, dun. And that's great. I love that. So. No, that's a good, that's a great reveal. Like a demon is like, and it's very similar. Again, conjuring. The demon has latched itself to the family or and specifically mm-hmm. in the conjuring, it's latched itself to the mom specifically. Mm-hmm. And because yeah. of the spirit who's like, wants to kill all the children and hang herself. And that's like the whole thing. And can't, and yeah. you like this idea because so in the conjuring, they can't leave the house. It, the mom can't leave the house because if she leaves the house, the demon will kill her in yeah. her activity. The psychic says to them, if you leave, this thing will follow you. So that's yeah. insidious. Like it explains that, like, and that's why they don't leave the house in paranormal activity because there's no point, but they didn't know that. So I do like that moment of like, yeah, okay. And it's like, oh God, it's not the house, it's us. And so I love, I love that. But then you get into all this bullshit about, I, and I do like the astral projection idea, but you can it's, simplify it so much more by just saying, well, and, um, here's, here's the thing. I, I, I think when I, when I watched it the first time, I said, well, that doesn't make sense. And then I watched it again and I said, okay, it does make sense. But the way they introduce it That's what I mean. is very, very clumsy. In, in our episode on Psycho, I mentioned how it's a narrative pet peeve of mine when you introduce like a twist or a plot element that doesn't make any sense unless you have like an exposition dump. To accompany yeah. it. It's why I always hate like the, the villain's evil speeches because it's giving us all the information that we didn't get at any point prior to that moment. That's what this scene is. It's the equivalent of the evil villain's evil speech. Like it's all exposition that we get just like the barest sliver of a hint. Um, like the, when they mentioned the thing with Josh not being in photographs, it's because this old woman like appeared in the background, like the, the astral projection thing 
comes out of left field. Yep. For me. I mean, you get like a little hint of it when Foster says he doesn't like hearing Dalton walk around, but I think that could also be interpreted as he's hearing the, the ghosts. Yep. And he assumes it's Dalton because it's coming from his room. Like that's not clear, like what that actually is. And I watched the movie again last night because I watched it, um, you know, last week so I could do our summary and everything. And then I watched it again so it would be fresh. And it still doesn't really come into play at all until this scene. Um, so it would work as a reveal if there had been like little more hints dropped along the way. So then all of a sudden it recontextualizes all these things that had been happening, but it doesn't do that. It's just a plot point that comes out of nowhere turns the whole movie on its head and now it's about something completely different than what the first half was about it really does feel like you're watching two halves of two different movies yep it's just one of those things where again it just and i know that james wan was trying all these new things and trying something different which i really appreciate it and again it just Everything just works so much better in The Conjuring because it sets up the stakes of everything. You know, like not even halfway through the movie, you know what is haunting the house, how they're going to have to deal with it. And then there's complications that get thrown into it because they can't get the priest. They can't do this. And yeah, 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 exactly. Like the second half of The Conjuring is them executing the plan that they put into motion. Setup of it because there's setup. setup. Yeah, exactly. Because you know that you know Ed has never performed an he's not trained. He's trained to perform an exorcism. Well, he's uh, he's not officially authorized to perform exorcisms, but he's assisted on them. And but yet something happened during exorcism, and Lorraine, you know, got you know you know kind of energetically, you know, kind of sucked dry by like this this whole situation that happened. Guilty. And there's just so much like happening. So when you get to the ending. When you get to like the climactic moment, there's so much at stake because of all the things that you've set up at the very beginning of the, the it's just like with this with this movie, it's just like ta-da! You all these memories. I mean, it's it's why it doesn't gel for me because they don't take the time to lay any of the pipe. They just kind of expect you to go along with it because we're telling you this is the way it is, and it it. It's not that it, like I said before, it's not that it doesn't make sense because I actually thought about it when I was watching it last night. Like, well, how would I, if I, if I don't think it makes sense, how would I resolve the plot instead? And what I realized was it's not that I wouldn't necessarily take it in this direction, but I, I would want there to be more indicators before the halfway point that yeah. this is what's going on. Because when you, when you bring in plot points completely out of left field with no context or very little context provided and expect your audience to just accept it and like go on this journey with you. I don't like that kind of writing. No. And that's why it's so much more, it's more elevated in the other mm-hmm. things you've done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like we said, it's, that's why it's such a bummer because if you had laid that pipe at the beginning of the movie, a lot more, it would have been mm-hmm. like, it just kind of had a more a clearer kind of overall reference point of okay like this is why josh is like feeling this way or like setting up more of that it just comes as such a like the fit and now astral projection it's like but why and then 
this is where, this is the one scene where I go from being like, okay, Josh is annoying and kind of like, you know, not very, not very present, but he's fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck this guy. Like I, yeah. like this scene, because essentially he is, he is kind of gaslighting her, gaslighting Renee by being like, I believe, you know, how do you, how could you tell me you don't, I don't believe you. I moved houses for you. I, you yeah. know, um, you know, I don't think it's wrong and this is wrong. Like get out. Like he basically just like rushes them out of the house. You know, it's the worst kind of gaslighting too, because he doesn't even seem to realize he's doing it. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Really? He, he believes what he's saying 100%. Yep. And um, the thing that breaks my heart the most, and I think that this oh, yeah. is probably one of the best moments of acting that Rose Byrne does in the whole movie. She's great in the whole movie. Her voice just like breaking and her saying like, you don't believe me. And it's not, yeah. a, this is like this realization of like, you don't believe me. And she's like crying and she like sits yeah. down, like weeping. And I was just like, oh, oh. like it's so loaded because it is that thing. And, that, mm-hmm. and then he's like, I don't believe you. I moved houses for you. And it's like, no, you know, it's actually, it's actually interesting because I think that's a good moment of acting for uh, both leads as well, because yes, like you said, he is like gaslighting her to a certain extent, but he like, you can tell he's like genuinely hurt that she thinks he doesn't. Oh, he's very, very, very upset. Her. And, 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 and not even like in a, how dare you kind of way, like he seems genuinely hurt that she thinks he's not supporting her because to his mind he is, and he's doing the best for everything that- I've like it, it's very uh i mean it's very i mean he is definitely in the wrong in this scene but i think both characters i i i have sympathy for both characters and i don't think i would if it were in the hands of a uh, a weaker actor oh no i i do too i i think yeah. just like i just have a knee-jerk response that when someone's starting really someone, no just- totally and i hate you but i do like this next scene where although i have I have questions about this next scene. Ah, well, so, we all have questions. So, okay. So he rushes them all out of the house. Yeah. Lisa's is so funny because she's like, good luck with everything. Like, she just totally like, all right, fine. Like, let's leave. Like, it's fine. Like, I'm not mad. Like, well, I mean, she definitely, she, re- she recognizes that they're kind of at a tipping point. And she's like, if I, if I say I'm only going to make this worse. Yeah. So we're, I'm gonna- we're not wanted. We'll just, we'll just leave. Okay. I have questions about this scene. So Josh goes into Dalton's room and like, well, you see uh-huh. Josh with Dalton and he's like, I know you're awake. You're not, you're not somewhere else. You're right here. You're right here. And it's like, oh, sad. and then, but here's the thing. He gets up and he looks over yeah. at the drawings that Dalton was making before the coma. And yeah. there's a man with a red face. There's uh, him saying like, I can see myself in bed asleep and then I fly away and he's like Superman. So here's the thing. I know it's all set up to make Patrick Wilson, to make Josh realize that it's all real, right? Oh my God, it's all true. He starts crying. I, I do think this is a good moment of acting on Patrick Wilson's part because he just breaks down. And Every he, moment is a moment of acting on Patrick Wilson's yes. part. And he realizes that he's been a dick and Renee comes in and Patrick just looks at her and goes, okay, like, I get it. And he's like looking at the pictures and looking at her. But here's the thing. How did he not see those pictures? Yeah, they were hanging on the wall in the other house. And then when they moved to this house, 
somebody clearly hung them up. Not only did they hang them up, but they hung them up twice because the room got trashed and somebody put them back up. You are just looking now like you are only just seeing the red faced demon and the picture with the four red spooky doors. Like maybe it was maybe like the way you could fix this is if uh-huh. we, have a, we have a scene where Josh is with Dalton and Dalton's drawing and he sees the, the red faced man and uh-huh. hides those pictures from Renee and like doesn't let anybody see them. And and eventually like in this scene, he like breaks down and he like shows Renee like this is all true. Like, or like mm. in the scene with the mom, like, you know, or like when he, when the guy, when, when the, when Specs like draws the picture of the red face, he's like, and he has like a moment of realization. Oh, yeah. Shit. That would be cool. And then like, yeah. then is still denying it. Like wants to protect the family. And then like, I don't know, like whatever. I haven't thought much about it, but like, it's that, <laughs> that makes so much more sense because then it's like a secret and there's like, it like adds on to Josh's, maybe Josh is remembering the astral projection that he was doing when he was a kid. And, and like, there are ways you can tie these threads together. This totally. is insane. It's been three months. <laughs> They've been in two houses since then. Is it implying that he never visits Dalton in the bedroom? Because if so, fuck this guy, which is not, but I mean, you could you could kind of hand wave it away like maybe he's been in the bedroom but he doesn't pay attention to like the drawings on the kids walls but even if that's the case then renee would know about them why wouldn't she bring them out and be like if it's not true how do you explain this there are conservatively 15 pictures on this wall of a man red face and and like we said before they are very they were very deliberately hung up on the wall like somebody in this house has seen those photos i mean not photos those pictures a dedicated pattern to how the like somebody went and pinned them up on the walls yeah yeah so why why are you just seeing them now other than for hand wavy plot reasons i can't i can't this no. is the biggest uh, and this we watched children of the corn for this goddamn podcast and i have never had so many questions a scene in any of the movies that we've done they needed a reason for josh to change his mind i get that i get it but honestly it's such a it's such a waste because like you have the scene where he kicks her out and then you have the scene where he finds the the pictures and then in the very next scene she comes back like why just skip the fucking rigmarole and just have her like why why are we doing this back and forth it's this weird like switchback writing that it's trying to create tension and trying to create stakes when we don't need it we all because we already have tension we already have stakes this feels like (laughs) pointless drama demon your child is on the astral plane like that's enough Honestly, you know how you could, you know how you could. So frustrated. You know, how you, could, you know how you could potentially fix this? Like when she says, you don't believe me and she's crying on the couch. Maybe that could be like exactly. the turning point. Where, Listen, I do believe you. And this is why, like, that's the moment. And then you keep Elisa yeah. and the two dudes. Yes. There. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everything else just, it, it feel it's, it's, it's filler. It's filler in a movie. That's only an hour and a half. 
This is the most amped I think we've ever been about anything on this podcast. Because, because I, it's so frustrating because it's so good in the beginning and then it takes a turn into make no sense land and doesn't come back. You know what? This is the first time I think on the entire podcast where our conversation has exactly mirrored how we speak to each other in real life conversation. Because I know here we typically very like we need to be normal for this recording because we need to actually act like we can talk to each other like normal human beings. But this, we, we want to sound like we know what we're talking about. But this is honestly for our, all of our five listeners. Um this is <laughs> which probably include my boyfriend, your mother. And, <laughs> and we love every single one of you. Thank you for listening. Mike, I love you. I'm, thank you. <laughs> this is how we actually speak to each other. Yeah. And this is, I swear to God, when we watch movies, this is also how we talk to each other while we're watching movies. Yeah, yeah. We are, we are not good people to watch movies with. When we're together... I get it. Okay. So Patrick, but I will say Patrick Wilson, great acting in this scene. I love Obviously. what he's pictures. And it's not like a, it's not like a <gasps> like realization. It's almost like he has like a breakdown. Like he's just like, oh yeah, my God. Totally. Like, like, totally. and I also in the behind the scenes footage, Dalton, there's a, there's a, like a shot of the kid and Patrick Wilson just kind of laying on the floor together. And he's like, Aww. Like uh, the kid is like drawing, like I'm drawing a comic book for, for Patrick. And it's about like a dog or something like that. And Patrick, <laughs> yep. Yep. And they're just like, they just get along really well. And there's also little, yes. little, clips, little clips of Ty and James Wan, like playing thumb war behind the scenes. And there's like a shot Aww. of him chasing James Wan, like through the backyard. And, and he's like, yeah, yeah. get it back, get it back. And James is like, ha, ha, ha. and oh, <laughs> yep. So Elise is back, the ghost boys are back, um, and they decide to hold a seance to get in touch with, uh, with Dalton and try and, try and uh, lead him back. Um, Elise wears a gas mask for maximum spookiness, uh, which she assures us is necessary, but like she might just be a drama queen. I get why she's wearing it because we talked about it. Mm-hmm. She's talking or like, and, and, it, and it's connected to Spex's headphones and he's like- Yeah, the, the hose is connected to, to the headphones. Logistically, I don't think that works, but like, okay, fine, sure, fine. It's just fine. funny as hell because you're just watching all these people and then it's just Elise with a gas. And I think the funny, I think the funny thing about it too and the, the thing that makes it more jarring than it already is is that nobody really reacts to it. Oh! Like, like nobody, like- Nobody, nobody laughs, which is fine. That's appropriate. But like, you would expect at least like Renee and Josh to kind of be like, oh, they, they're all in. They're all in. They're like, whatever. Yeah, they're just like, there's a shot. There's a shot of the table, like from behind the, uh, like the, the eyes of the gas mask. And Renee and Josh are just like stone faced. They're like, yeah, sure. This might as well happen. <laughs> oh my God. I, I think if there had just, if there had been like even a shot of the two of them looking at each other, like what? When they put the mask on, like them both like. Exactly. Like, cause they, they bring it out, they put it on and like, I mean, for the ghost boys, fine. They're, they've seen it before they're used to it, but 
if it were me and I were having a seance and then the person hosting it put on a gas mask, I'd be like, I'm sorry, hang on. This got really intense. Like things, yeah, things, things, have, taken, things have taken a turn. Things have taken a turn. So during the seance, uh, Dalton's body gets possessed and he attacks the group, but uh, Elise manages to stop him before he can really like do too much damage. Oh, also the um, writing turns from like- Oh, the automatic writing, yeah. The, uh, well, it's not so much auto, like if it would, it would be automatic writing if Elise was doing it. He's just like- It's, trans- it's transcribed, it's transcribed automatic writing. Let's yeah, say. transcribing it. And, um, but it goes from like, help me, help me, help me to like, I'm gonna cut your innards out, you-, you. Die, die, bitch, whore, 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 bitch, whore. I was like, <laughs> okay, okay. Like, like, fuck you, bitch. And like, Renee and Josh are like, uh. And, I, and, it's and everyone was like, like, what are you teaching this child? Yeah, it was very, I thought it was very funny. I was just like, whoa. Um, <laughs> so, so basically, Elise says that for whatever reason, Dalton is trapped. And the only way that they can get him back is for Josh to go into a trance and lead him out himself. All right, now this is where things get weird. It, this is Josh gets hypnotized and ends up in I don't know the spirit world. The further, the, region, the further, the upside down. Oh, the further. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, it does have a name, of course. But I do love um, when he like gets into the trance mode or whatever. He's like, I don't think you're, uh, this is a waste. Well, of time. It's not going to work. I don't know what I'm doing. And then he turns around and he's looking at his own body. Wait, I love that. And, and I love, I love in that, that shot too, like, cause it, like Elise is sitting in front of the chair where he is like, you know, helping him, uh, helping put him into the trance. So she's still talking to Josh in the chair, but you see her like look just slightly over her shoulder. Like she's acknowledging that she knows he's behind her. And it's such a, it's a it's a very small movement, but I think it's really I think. It's really I also cool. love after that it cuts back to like the real world, and Elise just kind of sits back and goes, "He's in." Yeah. Okay, so he ends up in the further. Um, it's like a weird version of the old house. It's like dark and full of fog, and it's full of like terrible, creepy spirits. This is where I got a very big like, "Oh, screw this movie" moment. Um, so he goes into a room, one of the rooms, and it's like a, a like a oh, yeah. statue with or like a a woman with a gun and like three people on the on the couch that have been shot, and she's just like, yeah. and she got that horrible grin, that horrible like that movie Truth or Dare, which wasn't good, but like the grin that they all get in that yeah movie, yeah grin. Josh like turns around to like go back into an, go into another room, and he mm-hmm. sees something up the staircase. And then he turns around and all four of them are like right there in front of right him. Right in his face. Like, like, oh, I was mad. I was very mad. This is when I had all my lights that off. Whole, that, whole scene, that whole scene with like the, the family in, uh, in the further is actually very, very scary. Also, um, in fact, this, this whole scene was supposed to be shot with Patrick Wilson floating. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't. And then they I would have looked that would have looked dumb. Yeah, they actually filmed a lot of it, and then they changed their minds, and then went back in and refilmed it with him walking. Good. That was a that was a good choice. And James Wan was like, "Yeah, it's too much." I was like, "Oh, I'm glad that you edited down something." 
better than nothing. You know what? It, it would have looked dumb if they kept it. So that was a good choice. Um, I also, I just want to point out too that like before he goes under, Elise makes a point of mentioning like it's it's very important that when you go in, you don't draw attention to yourself. So of course, the first thing he does when he gets there is start shouting hello, hello, hello. Like, like bitch, what did we just say? Dalton, I'm like shit. Yeah, like he's getting like getting right in the face of like this the 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 woman with the gun, and he's like, "Tell me where my son is." I'm like, "You're an idiot." Looking for my son, and then he's. I did. There's that one moment where it's like this woman. I think she's she's like doing the ironing. She's got like the housewife dress, and she's like just like standing still. And Patch Wilson goes like, "Excuse me, I'm looking for my son," and he and she blinks. Yeah, he just he just turns around and leaves. <laughs> that was very funny. I thought yeah, no, that was really very good. Where it was like, yeah. and I'm not gonna go over there. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. He's like, you know what? Nah. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I mean, long story short, he ends up in the attic um, where he's attacked by the same like demon slash spirit that had attacked Renee during the seance. Looks kind of like Slash from Guns N' Roses. He's got like a kind lot of, of yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, he manages to get away and he finds himself in uh, Darth Maul's demon lair. We forgot about. I forgot. I forgot. Oh, did we forget? I forgot the thing that pisses me off the most about this entire movie. Oh, tell me. Right before Josh goes into the trance and goes into the, into the further. Oh God. Yeah. So he like, he and Rose, and this is the thing. It's like dubbed over. Like, I don't think they, like you didn't even need this line because it's, there's, they're not on, yeah. on screen when she says this, yeah. but he, she's essentially saying to him, like, you can do this or whatever, like come back, blah, blah, blah. And she says to Josh, you've always been stronger than me. It just makes you want to puke. I was so, <laughs> I was so angry. And again, they get it right in the conjuring because they focusing on the mom, on Carolyn. Yeah. And Ron Livingston's like, you got this, you're strong, you can do it. Like, yeah. I love that whole bit at the end of the conjuring where they're like all like encouraging her to like, you know, vomit up whatever demons in her or whatever. And sure. but this was just you've been the one taking care of this house with the babies and everything. You're the one that's actually the star. It comes out of it. It much like much like most of the plot. It comes out of left field. Oh, yeah, it just it doesn't make sense. I hate it. It doesn't make sense. No, I hate it. I hate it so much. It didn't. It didn't have to be there. It serves no purpose, and it it sucks. It all sucks. Thanks. I hate it. Yeah. All right. So yeah, now that we've now that we've established I, once again that Josh is the worst. Have to bring that up because I was very oh, no totally no you're you you you're right and you should say it honestly. So basically he finds, he finds Dalton, who's basically like, he hasn't been able to find his way, way back because he's basically being held prisoner by the Darth Maul demon. He broke my heart. He's like sobbing. Oh, he's poor little guy. And that tiptoe through the goddamn tulip song starts up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A, a whole fucking lot happens in the scene. And, I'm just and then the going. demon. They, you know, they make a run back to the house while they're running. Josh confronts the old woman demon from his childhood, uh, who's also there too, by the way, and spends like 
spends like half an hour telling her to leave him alone. Like, like it goes on for a while. It goes on for a while. Leave me the hell alone. Yeah. And he repeats it about 150 times, which is fine. Yep. Um, so basically, Josh and Dalton both wake up in their own bodies with all of the spirits banished back to the spirit world. Yay. Uh, yay. Everything's fine, right? No. No. No, it is not. Uh, Elise gets the sense while she and Josh are packing up that something is wrong with him and flashes the digital camera in his face. Uh, Josh flies into a rain. Uh, Josh flies into a rage and strangles her to death. <clears throat> uh, shortly after that, Renee discovers her dead body and reacts with shock and horror, as you do. And when she picks up the camera that Elise had dropped when Josh attacked her, she sees that in place of her husband is a picture of the old woman ghost in the black dress and the veil from before. Which I did. You know, yes, that was that was really good. I love that flash, and all of a sudden it's the old lady. I I like that. Yes, yes, and I loved I loved uh, Elise's expression too when she realizes something is wrong, like that that slowly dawning horror. Like that's such a nice moment. She might be my favorite part of this entire movie, I love which her. is why I'm so mad that they kill her at the end. I was furious. I forgot yeah. that that's what happens, and I was so mad. So, so Renee goes running through the house, calling for Josh, but it's too late, and he's already gone. She's running through the house, and then you hear Josh say, "It's all right, honey, right here." And she turns yeah. around and goes, oh, and then insidious, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get the title card again. <laughs> What's the screaming violins? And you're like. What the fuck? What? I again. I don't think I've ever been so mad. And we've done some some stinkers on this show. I we've never we've never done one that starts off so good and goes downhill so fast. That's 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 what makes this movie frustrating. Like chapter two had the decency to be just a mess from beginning to end. <laughs> at least, yeah, at least you know what you're getting into with that one. Like this- Two wonderful moments plopped in. This yeah. was, you know what it was? I, I, so Katya says it perfectly. She says, it's like watching someone execute a perfect, uh, it's like watching a gymnast execute a perfect routine on the balance beam and then just start pissing herself. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I mean, yeah, honestly, it could be, I, I mean, like there are so many good themes that could have been explored in a really interesting way too. Like the, the idea of like inheriting, uh, like supernatural trauma, like having to pass down from one generation to the next. Um, that's, that's, that's an idea that, uh, that, uh, hereditary plays with to great effect. And we're obviously going to cover that at some point in the future. Um, we are covering Ari Aster. They introduce these themes and then they don't really do anything and with them, or at least not in a way that feels satisfying or cohesive. And there's a reason why the rest of the movies, although the Insidious Chapter Two is just a straight sequel, it's like it it takes place directly after this one, um, and and right. it's just about like getting rid of Josh's stuff. Um, <laughs> Then they had to, they, they, for chapter three and for the last key, 
they brought back Lin Shay and they're essentially mm. both prequels um, because she's the best part of these movies. And, and, and it's crazy to see that considering that our husband is in this movie. Um, <laughs> she's the best part of this movie because she yeah. just creates such a wonderful atmosphere of like, she's so kind and like mm-hmm. and and grounded and it's just like it just gives you it's it's like you said it's not like a it's it, it's very it gives you it gives you, it gives you hope it gives you hope that there's somebody who actually knows how to help yeah and, and actually wants to help and it's very similar to very similar to how how Vera Farmiga plays Lorraine Warren in yeah absolutely she's very like she's she's so warm she comes in and she's so like kind to the to the family and mm-hmm. she have to help them yeah. all this stuff and um and so I think that it's so it, it just for this movie to shit itself the way that it does it's just so it's so annoying annoying because like you said like I think that there are like and I think that a lot of horror movies like have taken from this in terms of oh this is a metaphor for trauma, like the Bob mm-hmm. Duke, Hereditary. I feel like a lot of horror yeah. Um, That movie that just came out, uh, it's like called Our House or something like that. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's the one with the, with the, uh, the, refu- the, the refugees and their house is haunted. It's, it it kind of reminded me of Beloved in a way where it's like the house is haunted by a ghost, but it's also like the ghost. Yeah this experience i love that and i also mm. think that i do think I, hereditary i have issues with but i do think that it does a really good job of of setting up the idea of like what someone up here does impacts everybody how, yeah how how your actions here can like trickle down and affect everyone everyone like Tony Collette's character in Hereditary doesn't know that the mom was into all that weird stuff, but it, the, but it's still, it still affected and it still affected her life in like really tangible ways. And you can draw a line. Yeah. Very clearly. Uh, and, point a to point a. This you can't, you can't, you can kind of draw a line from like plot point to plot point in this one, but it's tenuous. It's not baby's first script energy because this no. is, your script but I will say one of your one of your points about production was that mm. James Wan um had been very much um the like gory horror mm. guy done dead silence but like the thing he was most famous for obviously at this point was Saw um and he was being kind of typecast as a director like he's okay. the he's the blood and guts guy and he wanted to essentially he wanted to prove that he could make a scary movie without utilizing any of the uh like the gory special effects because a lot of the because a lot of scary movie directors who try to go without that stuff maybe like aren't as good and yeah it just shows like it it, this was the this was the 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 movie that made everyone kind of go oh well this movie has a lot of problems but yeah when it works it is expertly done and yeah and I think it's I think it's interesting too that like he doesn't have a problem being the horror guy. He just didn't want to be pigeonholed into one specific type of horror. I think that that just shows you that, um, it just shows you that horror. I mean, there's like that idea of like prestige horror, but I know that a lot of horror directors like 
don't like that, that, that idea because it just implies that other horror movies are inherently bad and aren't like- Yeah, yeah. There's such like a technique and a, and a, like you have to be really skilled. You, you have to have certain skills to like do horror. And so, and yeah. we talked about last week with Eli Roth, like Eli Roth loves horror movies um, because of what they can do. And we've talked about this like on the podcast, like that idea of like why we love horror movies and because they can encapsulate like a bunch of different genres and like throw them yeah, together. Yeah, absolutely, like, this movie, absolutely. Like Haunted House, it's a kind yeah. of ghost story. It's um, psychics. It's like all these different things and it's taking from all these different- It's, like, it's got, it's got uh, like family trauma and family conflict folded in. So it's a little bit of a, it's a bit of a drama as well. Um, yeah, I think horror as a genre can encapsulate a lot of different uh, a lot of different genres as well. Which is interesting too, because what you say that he wanted to make this movie that like showed he could make a movie, a scary movie without the blood and the gory, mm-hmm. gory stuff. Because he actually had to go back. He actually went back with the crew on uh, more weekends after he shot Saw and, because he, he looked at the first cut of Saw mm-hmm. and he, and he says in, a, in an interview, he's like, I turned to Lee and I was like, I made a PG-13 drama. There's not enough gore in this movie. And it needs, mm. so all the kind of gorier close-ups in Saw are pickups. Yeah. They went back yeah. and like, like a lot of those are like his hands, like picking up goop and stuff. And so it's funny that, oh, that cool. so it's funny that he like went back and yeah. did pickup shots of gorier stuff. And then that's what he yeah. became as the gory yeah. Funny yeah. because now whenever I see like a James Wan like oh directed or produced by James Wan I'm like oh this is gonna be good like this is yeah. gonna be good. Yeah. he um and then he goes on to like he, he directed Aquaman like he's like now like, right. like yeah big, now he's a guy and I know he was all set to direct like another superhero movie and it ended up not working out but um yeah. but also the thing that blew my mind something that you said in here was the production of this because it was kind yeah. of on the fly, shot for in three weeks on a 1.5 million budget. And it doesn't look it. I, when I read that, I think I had to check, like I checked several different sources when I read that because I was like, there's no fucking way that's accurate. Uh, and it is. It's very similar to the way they shot Saw. I mean, Shaw was, Saw was shot Absolutely, yeah. way less money, but it was that thing of like, let's just get together and, and do this. And I want to like prove something. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just sucks that the ending just sucks as much as it does. Yeah, I, it's very, it's just, we keep saying this, but it's frustrating. But it does, like uh, one of our other notes too, is it does show you how they kind of like went back and fixed all of that. Yeah. And, the and the conjuring is perfect. Like it, yeah, this, absolutely. this was a warm up for the themes and for the the tone that they were trying to set. And yeah, yeah. And I think improves at the start of the movie. They set up all that yeah. stuff. But this movie had just been yeah. like haunted house, sort of paranormal activity-esque, but with a family and the demon has attached itself to the kid. Like, yeah, great. And that would have worked at that time. But I think too, mm-hmm. they, were, they, were, they were trying to like make themselves different than paranormal activity, which is like, but at the same time, it's like, you've got Oren Pele producing this like it, you're yeah normal activity connections i i mean i i understand i get where what they were going for 
I just don't think they got there. I also think that one of these movies, one of the Insidious movies actually crosses over with Sinister. And I know that Sinister, like Insidious and Sinister came out at very, very close. Uh, pretty, almost at the same time. So hmm. all of the yelling that I've done about this movie aside, uh-huh. I kind of have to recommend it though, because yeah, it's fun getting mad at it. Like I'm very frustrated by this movie, but it's only because the first 45 minutes are so good. I agree. I ended this family being a family and mm. it is, I think it's, I think it's required viewing in the sense that because of how you watch this and you're like, oh, I like, I can see where the, they got that from the conjuring and I can see where that comes in conjuring too. Or like, so it's like, oh, it's like baby steps towards like how that ends up working. And I mean, you can say that they, you know, they went for it, man. They like really went for it with three weeks. I mean, they had, they had, a, they had an idea. They committed to it and yeah, they went, they went for it. Yeah. Was it successful? You no. could argue, uh, no, but I, yeah, but I, I appreciate that th- at no point did they try to like walk it back. No, they like, saw like, no, this is what we're doing and we're fucking sticking to it. And I mean, no, I don't think it comes together. Um, not in, not in the way that it should, but I do see, I do see the, the threads that they were trying to connect yes. and I see where they were going and I have an appreciation for that. Uh, but, but yeah, the frustration does come from the fact that it is so strong at the start because I've seen this movie quite a few times at this point and the, 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 the scenes that are scary are still really good. Terrifying. They, yeah, I, I said this earlier that they get me every time. They really do. And they I really, really- I know I, I've seen it often enough now that like I know when the scares are coming and I know when to anticipate something is about to happen and it still manages to like catch me off guard when it happens and not a lot of movies can do that yeah um, so yeah I, I agree with you for those reasons you gotta watch this movie you, you, you got to it is so scary and then, I mean, it goes off the rails and it's very frustrating. But even in that, like in the scenes where Josh is in the further, there's some genuinely unsettling stuff in there as well. Like some very, some very unnerving uh, imagery. Not bad. It, like, Not bad. That last 20 minutes, 40, half an hour. It's, no, it's, no, it's, it's, it's just, just annoying. It, it doesn't, well, it doesn't hold up to the first half. Yeah. That's the thing. They, 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 it's like, it's like they laid a bunch of groundwork and then squandered it with the yeah. finale. And I, it, I mean, it, it is frustrating. And that's, that's a frustrating problem with horror in general too, is that a lot of scary movies do such a great job with the build and then can't, can't deliver. It, it just, it, it, it like, the, the, the climax doesn't really compare to like everything that came before it. You know what movie did that too? Um, was um apostle so that wraps up our conversation on insidious um yeah i do i do enjoy it patrick wilson it's patrick so i'll watch anything that patrick wilson's in even if it's frustrating Uh, so yeah we are now going to go on to our palate cleansers so Lindsay, what has been giving you joy this week what has been giving me joy this week um i have been doing a lot of uh crossword puzzles this week which is something that I like to do anyway. Like it's something that, uh, you know, if I'm listening to a podcast or something, I'll, because I need something to do with my hands. I can't just sit there. I mean, same thing when I'm watching TV, to be honest, like a lot of times I need to do something. 
but I always associate like doing crosswords more with like spring and summer compared to any other time of the year because I always uh, buy a book to bring down with me when I go to the beach. And I actually just, I, I, I killed a book last week. So I ordered a new one to put aside for when I go on vacation. <laughs> I didn't go last year because obviously it was uh, and you pandemic. Go this year. Yay! I get, go, I get to go this year. And I texted my sister and I said, I ordered a new crossword puzzle book for the beach. So that's how you know vacation's really happening. Yes. But I mean, it's, it's going to be kind of chilly today. But I love in the summer, like sitting outside on the balcony with a beer and my crossword puzzle book. And I know, like, I'm 85 years old, ah! but I enjoy. I enjoy doing that, especially like having some music playing in the background. Like, ah, oh, like what a perfect afternoon. I love that. The best, the best. Um, and now that, it's, now that it's getting warmer and it's getting sunnier, like I'm doing them more because this is just the time of year I tend to associate with that particular thing. Yep. So that's my palette cleanser this week is my big nerdy crossword puzzle books. Love it, love it. Um, so my palette cleanser is actually, I think I've been doing this a little bit like a lot lately. Uh, usually my palate cleanser is something I've been watching. Um, uh -huh. I, we both love true crime, obviously. Um, <laughs> I love, I lo and I, and we also both uh, love makeup. I love anything that combines those two. I, I was always looking maybe something that combined those two interests. And <laughs> I found, there's this YouTuber, her name is Bailey Sarian. And every Monday, she does this thing called Murder Mystery Makeup Monday. And she uploads a video where she talks about a true crime story and she does her makeup at the same time. And she <laughs> is just the most delightful human. She is, she talks to you like you are having the best like gossip session of all time. Aww. Like for um, Scott Peter, Scott and Lacey Peterson, a couple, couple of Oh God. Yeah, Lacey <laughs> was, you know, trying to, you know, get, you know, feel better because she was not feeling great because she was pregnant and she looked and she goes, now Scott was handling the pregnancy in other ways. He met this woman named Amber Fry and they started talking. Like she gets very like, here's what you need to know. And she's putting on her makeup <laughs> and she's amazing. She, she used to work for like Sephora. And so her makeup skills are- Oh, cool. So by the end of the video, she's like fully- done up and looks incredible. Yeah. and talking about like, you know, and she's, and she's done Ted Bundy. She's done the last one she did last week. She did, uh, the Manson family, uh, two weeks oh ago this week. She's just so cute. And her theme song is just her going, shana, 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 shana. <laughs> so cute. And I actually mentioned it somewhere and our friend Megan messaged me and she was like, I'm obsessed with her. We watch her every single Monday and we got no, she's awesome. And like beautiful, like she's just Aww. covered in tattoos, but like the cute, like she's just so adorable. And, um, and I, and she also does like a little, some of them she does are like unsolved mysteries and stuff. And, mm -hmm. and she just like covers a bunch of like unknown cases and also lots of really well-known cases. She Jodi Aris a couple months ago and it was hilarious. Um, and it was just, it was just like listening to last podcast with a little less chaos and uh, <laughs> watching someone do their makeup. And it's, I, I just fully recommend it. So that's, my, that's my palette cleanser for the week. Um, Hooray. Love that. 
All right, so that wraps up our conversation on Insidious, our second James yes. movie. Um, and uh, next time we will be at the finale of season two, but don't worry, we're not going anywhere. Back over the summer for season three, but get ready. The finale is going to be going to be a big one, so we're really excited about yeah. that. Um, yeah. So follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FrankenBridePod. You can also email us at FrankenBridePod at gmail.com. And have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful rest of your week, and we will see you next time on Brides of Frankenstein. Thanks, everyone. Bye. I put this. You know, I put this in our in our notes and I wasn't going to include it here, but I said it's like being edged for an hour and a half and never quite making it to the end. I don't know where I- You're laughing, but I'm right. I didn't know where you were going with that, but I definitely wasn't expecting getting edged. I definitely didn't expect that. I don't even know if I see that in your notes. <laughs> it might it might have been in like in a comment might have been somewhere i don't know if it was oh maybe it's at the end oh no it's in the, it's we'll cut this oh! part it's in the breakdown in the third act there it is yeah i can tell you didn't see it because i expected you at some point to like comment on it and you didn't and i was like wow it's so true though it's so true i'm right I would even say like, it's like you're about to, and then, and then instead of getting edged, it's almost like you're about to, and then the person that you're with changes their mind and like leaves. <laughs> that's, you know, yeah, you're just, yes. that's the last, that's the last 10 minutes. You know what? That's like the very, very end. You're like, like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me hang sorry. on. Hang on. We're not we're not done here. We're not done. Get back here. Gotcha. Once I come, it's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Except it never right. happens. It's all getting cut. Um, <laughs> um so, okay. that was delightful. That was delightful. I put this, you know, I put this in our in our notes and I wasn't going to include it here but I said it's like being edged for an hour and a half and never quite making it to the end I don't know where I'm laughing but I'm right I didn't know where you were going with that but I definitely wasn't expecting getting edged I definitely didn't expect that I don't even know if I see that in your notes <laughs> <laughs> it might it might have been in like in a comment might have been somewhere i don't know if it was oh maybe it's at the end oh no it's in the, it's we'll cut this oh! part it's in the breakdown in the third act there it is yeah i can tell you didn't see it because i expected you at some point to like comment on it and you didn't and i was like wow it's so true though it's so true i'm right i would I'm even right. say like it's like you're about to and then and then instead of getting edge, it's almost like you're about to, and then the person that you're with changes their mind and like leaves. <laughs> that's, you know, yeah. And then you're just, yes. that's the last, that's the last 10 minutes. You know what? That's like the very, very end. You're like, like, excuse me, 
Excuse me. Excuse me. Hang on. Hang on. We're not. We're not done here. We're not done. Gotcha. Once I come, it's a wrap. (laughs) (laughs) Except it never happens. It's all getting cut. Um. (laughs) (laughs) um, So that was delightful. That was delightful.